We are blessed to have each one of you here today. We have had a very wonderful week this week. We went off up to Baltimore and had a great week up there this week. We taught the Word of God Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and flew back Saturday. And then I've already been over to the Holiday Inn preached this morning, so I've already, I've already preached mine today, so praise the King. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. But you know, a preacher, you can't never shut him up. One session's not enough. You know, he can just keep on going. <laughs> oh, goodness. Praise the Lord. Okay, I haven't done this in a while, but I'm going to do it today, first thing. Who has a testimony they want to give God the glory? Well, here's a... Deborah, you throwed your hand up first. Okay, come up here, girl. Glory to God. We haven't taken testimonies in a while. We may have several today. Praise the Lord. Okay, tell us what Jesus has done for you. Well, he uh, did it through me. Okay. Good. And what, there was a lady at work who was having to fly back east to her sister who had just been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, she said that she, this was her third bout with it, and that after the first time and then the second time that she was really angry at God. And I said, well, I've got some tapes that we need to send with you so that y'all can listen to them, and she could listen to them on the plane and the whole thing. So she went up for an entire week, and this lady was in fairly bad condition. And she's a young woman. She had two teenage children that, you know, she wasn't looking forward to leaving, and her diagnosis wasn't very good. So her sister got back last week, and I asked her how, how things went. She goes, well, it must have worked because I stayed the entire week until it was time for her to go back to her doctor. And her doctor told her that she, he had never seen such a drastic about face in the disease. So Thank she's you, doing it in one week. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We've got them in line. Come on up. Praise God. I just want to give God all the praise and the honor and the glory. I had a spirit of infirmity in my body in time, Cheryl, and I prayed, and it is gone. Hey. I just want to give God all the praise. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Come up here. Praise the King. Glory, glory, glory. Praise the Lord. Come up here. We're going to just give God the glory. You step up here on that with me. Come on up here, young lady. Glory to God. A young woman like you. Praise the King. Hold it up close so they can hear. About the 12th of April, I had a phone call from one of my co-workers. Hold it close. From one of my co-workers. And uh, she was almost blind. She retired two uh, two years after I did from State Farm Insurance. And in six years, she was legally blind. So uh, I prayed with her. And um, before I got off the phone, I asked her to send me a picture. And uh, I wanted to bring it to church and have my pastor to pray over it because he get good results. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. She sent me the picture on Friday, and which was, um, I guess, the 13th, because on 4-15-07, I bought the photo to church and got in the prayer line, asked Pastor Thurman to pray, and Pastor Thurman and Cheryl laid hands on. First, he looked at the picture. And you, I don't know if you remember, you said, 
this woman's been abused. She suffered abuse. And when I called home Monday to tell her, she started to cry because she knew that only the Holy Ghost could told you that because in the natural, I hadn't told you anything and you didn't know anything. And so she was, her parents, her mother died when she was six years old. And uh, her aunt raised her and her younger brother and sister. And she was always beaten and told she was ugly. And from a kid up so, I mean, she took whippings for her younger brother and sister. And uh, even in growing up years, everybody, even at school, made her think that she was the ugliest woman in, or girl in the world. And that just kind of stuck in her spirit. And when she called me and Pastor Thurman prayed on the 15th, I called her on Monday. And I told her, because she's legally blind and she can't even do anything for herself. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't make her meals. Her son had to come at night from Oak Cliff to Mesquite and fix her meals and put them in the refrigerator. And she could fumble her way through on the microwave just to warm them. And then he would clean the house for her before he'd go home. And so anyway, after the prayer, after you and Cheryl laid hands on this, um, she called me Wednesday. And uh, remember, she could not read the Bible. She could not do any of the things. And she's a spirit-filled woman. And she's gone to uh, all-denominational church for, I guess, 25 years with all colors. She was a, uh, she's a deaconess, but I guess that don't always get it done because her eyeglasses and a magnifying glass, she still could not see well enough to read her Bible until Pastor Thurman and Cheryl prayed. And she, when she called me Wednesday, she was bouncing off the walls with joy. Thank you, Jesus. Her, yes, I told Lord, her we praise since you. she had been abused that I wanted her to do me a favor to get two chairs, put sit in one and just put one face in her. And whoever have abused her, pretend they're sitting in that chair, whether they're living or dead. Amen. And tell them what they did to hurt you. And then tell them that you forgive them for everything that they've done. You hold no grudges and you release them. And she said for two days she couldn't do anything but praise the Lord. She said it was like rocks, big rocks falling off of her. So she, not only that, she also was able, she hadn't been able to go to church in months because she couldn't see and she couldn't get around. She went to church. She had some ladies to come pick her up. She went to church. And after church, she went to Fair Park to see the Holocaust, the Jewish Holocaust. She was able to go and view that all in a week, and she can read her Bible with just her glasses. She doesn't need a magnifying glass. Jesus, thank you, Master. Lord, thank and you. she also told me that you, for months she, she had wanted to, I guess about a year, to do a ministry. For, she never had a ministry, even though she was a deaconess at church. She said she had wanted to help abused women. And she said that um, 
she couldn't do anything, you know. So after the Lord healed her eyes well enough that she can get around and see, she went to when she went to church Sunday. She told some of the ladies that she was going to start a healing ministry of the spirit, the soul. And the lady says it's about time somebody was doing that because it's a lot of women in this Pentecostal church that's physical abuse as well as verbal abuse. So she said to tell you, Pastor Thurman, to thank you. Thank you, Mark. And thank you, Sheriff, for standing with your husband because that just, he said, where to agree. And when he prayed, he get good results. And I just wanted to say, I thank you for all you've done for me and my family. My, my granddaughter was healed in this ministry, and I just wanted you to know that we appreciate you, and you just continue to stay and do what God wants you to do. Thank you. Love you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, do we serve an awesome God. Thank you, Lord. This is my second time here, and the devil knew that I was going to try to come back. And so there were several things that uh, tried to happen, but I just want to talk about the great I am. I've been a Christian for 42 years. There's not a single battle the great I am has ever lost. I had a situation where it just proves that the Lord watches over everything, and he's so interested in every aspect of our lives. In the course of work, I had a very um, touchy, emotional situation, and I had to put this old dog down. And the lady was supposed to have a helper there so we could lift this huge dog, and he wasn't there. So the dog was already anesthetized, and I just stood my ground. And even though this was a brand-new development and hard to find, I walked out of the alley, and I just kept praying. And after a little while, just like a sparrow or a bird coming, the UPS man came. And he lifted that dog in two seconds, and that lady was just fine. Then the other thing that really stands out in my life is this last week. Like I said, I had determined that I was going to come back. And sometimes that's hard to do with your work or if you own your own business or whatever. So on Tuesday, I only had one appointment. That was it. We all have bills, and we have to pay for all of our bills. That one appointment was $1,508.74. I've never had that happen. That is the great I am. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wow. Anybody else before we quit? Praise the Lord. Keith, come up here right quick. Just, then we'll get you, Michelle. Just a minute. No problem. Praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord. That's right. I just want to say this uh, week, I think it was Thursday, just to let you know how you know God is just so good. And I appreciate the information you've given, how we know how much power and authority we have over the devil. Thursday morning, my son woke up, Andy, you know, big, young, strong kid, and uh, he said he wasn't feeling well. He took it said he had a fever over 100 degrees. I got Shelly up. We laid hands on him, rebuked that demon of fever, and with about two or three hours, he was fine. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Little Michelle. Praise the King. Glory. Well, these are just little things, but, you know, my cat with a broken leg, I took him back to the vet because the vet wanted to check him out again. That goes, oh, the cat sits down for three, three more months. I'm like, I don't think so. I'm like, just do the stupid x-ray. Did the x-ray, he's like completely healed. Then my dog got sick. 
That wasn't backing down to that either. I'm thinking, I don't think so. I'm thinking, okay, the dog's going to be fine. Prayed over her. She got healed. And then I got a $740 check from God. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, yeah, hold that up close so they can hear you. Okay, thanks. Um had several things. I started a new job, and there was a lady work that started a couple of days after me, and it was pretty um, evident that she didn't know the Lord, and um, she was very troubled. Uh, I think she had a lot of evil spirits really uh, on her, and uh, I became aware of a problem that she had, and so I got her off alone and, and offered to help with that problem, and um, uh, she said uh, no, that it was okay, and um, so then I witnessed to her, and I gave her a copy of Caitlin's Miracle to watch. And um, the next day at work, she just completely lost it. She started screaming and, and cursing our boss and just lost complete control. And then she left. And I don't know if she, you know, I don't know what effect my witness had on her, but I know the Word says that God's Word does not return void. Amen. Also, um I'm selling homes, and um, I'm not really a skilled salesperson, but God helped me sell two this month. So Amen. praise Him. I, I rebuke that. You are a skilled salesperson. <laughs> Thanks. The Lord says you have whatever you say with your mouth, and I'm agreeing with Him right now. He is a great salesperson. Thank God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. See yourself as a son of God. Thanks. I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. I am a great salesperson. I'm a great salesperson. I'm Amen. I can sell an Eskimo and ice cube. <laughs> and then uh, the last thing, there was somebody put some green flyers up here about Cowboys for Christ having an event this weekend out in Decatur, and I took my booth out there for uh, the the homes I'm selling, and nobody stopped by. The booth. I mean, none of the man, uh, none of the vendors. Nobody stopped by. It was really not a good event for us. But we had hours to meet and to talk about God. And I got some people to watch Caitlin's miracle. They had their little DVD players out there. And there was there was one young man. He he uh, professed to know Christ, but I really don't know that he has much of a relationship with one at all. And I, I got to spend a lot of time talking with him. And I just want to thank God for giving me the courage. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I, there's no fear. Yeah, He can do it. You know, and the word, the word will not return void. Amen. So Amen, brother. That's what the Lord said. You got it. Oh, okay. See what happens when you don't open the floor for testimony for a couple of weeks. Wow! Praise the King. Wow! God's moving. I'm just so excited because um, I was reading my Word, and um, Pastor Todd was. As he was praying today, he was saying that God wants all of us to do what Pastor Ty does and Pastor Derwin does. So last night I was up and I was just reading my Bible, and I came across this scripture. It's, um, and it talks about the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And um, Pastor Derwin, in one of the teachers, he was saying, when you read a sentence, don't pass that sentence until you have the understanding of each word. So I was like going through each word and I got to every man. I was like, that means me. So I was like, okay. And then the manifestation of the spirit is the word of wisdom. That means I can have the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, 
word of knowledge, faith, that means I have faith, the gift of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirit, device kinds of tongues, it's an interpretation of tongues. So these are the gifts that he gave to me because I'm born again. And I, I learned last night that I was, I, when my mom gave birth to me, I was spiritually dead. I was spiritually blind. So I needed Jesus to come into my heart so I could be born again so now I could see. So I just want to give God praise for that revelation last night. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> Praise the King. Glory Come here, Kim. Come back up here. Amen. Praise the Lord. How do you see you too? They get over Now listen. And y'all listen to me real closely. Daddy's no respecter of persons. The same faith that he's given us, he's given you. Amen. You see a little daughter of the King right here. This little daughter has been soaking in Daddy's Word. She got baptized by the Holy Spirit. And when you let the Holy Spirit come into you and start dwelling in you, He starts teaching you. That's what I keep crying out to all of y'all. Let the Holy Spirit in. And now He started teaching her. Daddy's Word says in Romans eight twenty six that if you allow the Holy Spirit to do it, He'll pray for each one of you. He knows exactly what you need. You don't know what you need to pray for. But He knows exactly what you need to pray. And so as He starts praying through you, as He starts praying through you, it's Daddy, the mind of Christ, Jesus Christ, praying to Daddy, saying, Daddy, this is my, this is my daughter. She's been led by the Spirit. She's been led by me. She's sanctifying her temple. Daddy, she's wanting to stir up these gifts, Daddy. So open her eyes now, Daddy. Let's let her have a little. And Mark 4.24 says he teaches you, and he'll give you a little bit. Give you a little bit of gift. Maybe maybe it's just go pray for that man over there, Ty. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I'm embarrassed praying for somebody. Yeah, I go, I say, I'm Mr. I'd like to I'd like to pray for you. What, what what's your name? And he said, Benjamin. I said Benjamin Einstein. The Holy Spirit's telling me I need to pray for you. And so when that happens, you pray. And then and then he says, if you're faithful with that little gift, then he says, I'll give you another one to pray for. And the, and the more you learn to listen from down here now, there's the heart. Get this part out. This part says, don't go over there. That guy's going to think you're a nut. <laughs> Stand up a minute, Derek. Come up here. Thank you, Kim. Come up here, Derek. This is just another man. This is just another man that just happened to be appointed months ago to be on the airplane to sit beside us on the way home. <laughs> God had this plan Months, years, when he created us, probably. Yeah, absolutely. So this man sat down beside me. 
I put my hands on him, and he was infected. <laughs> now, my brother over here, he was really having a hard time because he was on the other side of the seat. I had this one right for me. <laughs> and he was over there twitching. He couldn't stand it. He put down his airplane magazine. He was getting, I didn't see I could tell it. <laughs> And finally, he couldn't be quiet anymore. <laughs> he starts talking. <laughs> so I've got my airplane magazine. <laughs> so, after a little bit, he gets, he gets up to go to the bathroom. Brother Thurman over here. And so I said, I said Derek, move over here and one seat over. <laughs> we ain't in the middle now. <laughs> Now he was really infected. <laughs> uh, For, I don't know, two, three hours, whatever that flight was, we filled this man with the word of God. He got off that plane. He was on fire. <laughs> He's still on fire right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. See, that's what we want. It's about Jesus. It isn't about us. Right? You know, you heard these testimonies. This is what Daddy wants. He wants us to teach y'all how to do it. Amen. I want this place so full, and I know Brother Thurman does. We want it so full we didn't room to sit. So the can starts saying, okay, it's time to send somebody out. He wants you to start over here with another church doing the same thing we're doing. The whole world's out there. I mean, he's calling for the laborers. We're praying for the laborers. I'm telling you, and I've been telling y'all this for weeks now, y'all are the laborers, and Daddy's preparing each one of you, and I'm excited about what he's showing me is getting ready to happen in the spiritual realm, and we're already starting to see it start to bring fruition. You know, other, other gentleman back there, John, that came up a while ago, here's a young man who gave his life to the Lord, came, and all of a sudden, he got filled with the Spirit. And now he's wanting to witness, and he's soaking in everything he can. We got Janita back here, the same thing. So we got these people, the young ones. <laughs> he says, unless you humble yourself like a little child, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to be able to use these gifts that he wants for you here on this earth. Kyle over here, my grandson. One day we were laying in bed, and Cheryl and I were praising and worshiping God, and he's there laying in bed with us. And all of a sudden, he starts seeing some demons. Start seeing these angels, these dark black angels in our room. And they're over there, and they're trembling. And all of a sudden, as we're praising, they get scared and they would take off. What happens when you praise and worship Daddy? The demons flee. They flee. They flee. They flee. He, I didn't get to see them. I, I was there looking, though. He told me, sure, I, I said, sure, you see them? You see them? <laughs> Isn't that awesome, yeah, though? He wants to see them. Yeah. 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 Daddy's no respect to persons. Come up here, Sandra. We've got another testimony. Sandra, come on, darling. <laughs> Sandra, you. Come on, darling. Come on. Come up here. Come up here. Here's a woman. Y'all listen to me. I don't want to embarrass you, Sandra, but I want y'all to understand this. And I don't think it'll embarrass her. Here's a woman who came up here with Terminal cancer. Terminal cancer. And she began praising and worshiping daddy. Now, the only thing the Lord did with us is he used us to lay hands 
and pray for her. And all of us did. Probably every minister in this room did. See, it wasn't one of us. It's all of us. You know what? It isn't us. Here it is right here. We don't have Jesus on here, but we need Jesus right here. Brother, here's the cross. As close as we get, it's Jesus. He's the healer. He's the one that does it. It isn't isn't us. It isn't us. Now, Sandra, she had... This huge tumor. I got pictures of it. I got we got pictures of it. she was supposed to give me documentation on her face, on her body, and the Lord healed her. And, and, and she had diabetes. And the diabetes started getting better, her feet the swelling went down. And then and then she got off and that old devil came back and went to whisper in her ear, No, you're not healed. You're guilty. You're guilty. Up here. Up here. You're not healed. You're guilty. You're guilty. So these old feet start swelling up again. So the Holy Spirit had her on my heart. And I called her last week because I knew something was wrong. And we prayed. And I told her, hey, that's what we're for. You get other people that believe. I don't care if it's me, Benjamin, Howden, Cheryl, anybody. Get somebody that believes. And mix your faith with them. I'm going to tell you, Esther, right now, what you saw... With these two, it was beautiful. But you know what? It wouldn't have happened without you praying. It wouldn't have happened. You're part of it, honey. And so is Ernest. So, darling, this is what's going to happen. You're going to do it. You don't need us. We're not the healer. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer. Get, y'all got to understand this. It isn't, we don't have any special anointing. We're no different than y'all. The only thing is, we spend hours and hours praising and worshiping the Lord. The and our wives do. If you're, yeah, that's right. If you abide in my word, John 8.31, if you abide in my word, you're my little son, you're my daughter indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free, set you free. It's the Word that does it. The Word allowing the Holy Spirit to do it. Allow. This body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This body is simply a temple, and every one of you two, every one of you out there, is God's temple. Now allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you. Allow the Holy Spirit to consume you, take on the mind of Jesus Christ, and you will do the same things that Jesus did. Revelation 12.10. We overcome the enemy, the devil. You, not not with us, by yourself even. You overcome the devil by the blood of Jesus Christ and the Word. By the Holy Spirit speaking through you. The Word of our testimony is the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And then last of all, you'll find in the last chapter of Matt, I mean the last uh, paragraph of John... 14. It says, Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be crucified. The devil has no control over me. I'm going there because I love you and my Father said, do this. And so now we go back to Revelation 12.10. They love their lives not unto death. That's what Jesus did. With the mind of Christ, that's what you'll do. That's what you'll do. You'll have such love for Daddy that the Holy Spirit says, Ty, Go over there and, and, and pray. <laughs> At the airport, he told me to lay hands on this Muslim. 
<laughs> I just walked up and said, you know Jesus? Before he had a chance to say something, I laid hands on him. <laughs> yeah. Well, it now. He fell backwards. He didn't know. He was infected. I don't know what's happening to him today. <laughs> you can tell it. He got scared and ran off, did he? <laughs> now, back to Sandra. Now, listen to me. She went to praying. All she needed was another jump start. Kicking them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> in her ear. She went to back to praying, and now you take over. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. This is very short. Uh, I heard the message when he talked about love, and I figured, yeah, I'll come in here and sit in this chair Sunday, Tuesday, Sunday, Tuesday, and never put it into practice. It's one thing to hear the word, it's another to do it. Amen. That's what it's about. It's about doing it. And so I felt guilty. I said, well, you know, i got neighbors that we talk about that we don't particularly associate with, you know, because I'm not in the drug culture. I'm not in that culture, but I'm in the neighborhood. So the Lord laid on my heart to just start speaking to folk. How y'all doing? Let them know that I was here. But I was dumb. What I said was when they spoke to me, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. They go, blessed and highly favored. You know, they walked on off. And I thought, well, I'm going to keep saying that. I'm blessed and highly favored. That confuses people's mind. They don't know what you're talking about. So they either think you're crazy or what. They want to find out what does she mean. Blessed and highly favored. I didn't know that I was talking to a crack addict. And, you know, it's just blessed and highly favored. That's what I said. That's what I said. Blessed and highly favored. So my, the person that used to help me do my yard, he moved. And I didn't have anybody to to my foot. I couldn't get out there. So this guy that I was saying blessed and highly favored to walked by, and he wanted to do the yard. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm not really. So I kind of turned it off. I said, yeah, you can cut it one time. And then the next time he came, he was different acting to me, you know, like quiet and sedate. And so I thought, I said, well, he can cut it another time, but after that, that's over with, you know. Because I had it in my mind what he was doing to me. So when I turned, I heard the Lord say, I sent him. <laughs> okay, God sent him <laughs> to me, right? I said, every one of mine, they're going to have to get hazard pay. So that's where we're going to go with this thing, right? So I just started witnessing to him. You know what I'm talking about? I witnessed to him about Jesus and how he delivered me from the cancer. And then I'm walking now and I ain't dead because of God. And he can do the same thing for you that he did for me. He can heal you too. You understand what I'm talking about? And so the neighbors across the street, they were watching, you know, seeing up the yard and everything. The guy was faithful. He come in more that yard when I look up in the yard didn't need more. Amen. And I said, Well, thank you, Jesus. He put the trash out and let it ask him to. <laughs> Women. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. You understand what I'm talking about? So I thought, well, I don't know what that blessing how to say or what that meant. You understand what I'm talking about? But you never know what God got in you for that person that they got ain't nothing. Amen. See, he didn't have nothing in him. And that's what he told me. He said, ma'am, he said, I beg your pardon. He said, but I ain't never said that's just not how I was raised. And, 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 and you talked to me and you got me straight. 
about how you want to join, how you want me to do. He said, but, but, but that ain't how I was raised. And, 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 you know, he was apologizing to me. And it's just going on and on. And I said, well, thank you, Jesus. Amen. The, the woman across the street, she said, I don't know what happened to him. Something is happening to him. His own family. You see what I'm talking about? And all I do is just, glory to God, I'm blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God, he's coming into the kingdom. Praise you, Jesus, that the whole family, that went across the street. Now they're looking at me, and I said, blessed and highly favored. Amen. Now they have a couple across the street from me now. They're going, what is she talking about, blessed and highly favored? Try it sometime. Amen. The next time a sinner speak to you, you ain't got nothing to say, say, I'm blessed and his favor. It'll give them a question mark. They'll come back and, what do you mean by that? That means that I got a job, I can eat, I got a car, I got gas. It's three dollars a gallon. You understand know what I'm talking about? I'm blessed and highly favored. It's an opening conversation. They won't know what you're talking about. So give the glory to God. Because I'm blessed and highly favored. And I do know why the enemy came back with the foot. Because okay. I was blessed and highly favored, and I'm stepping on his territory. I got three couples next door to me, across the street from me, that now, hey, I'm blessed and highly favored. Y'all doing okay? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lead them all Y'all still work working So that's why he attacked me. It's because I'm being a witness. But I'm a living sacrifice, and I didn't know God was the one that helped me with that. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, but see, I have, you got gifts that you're not using. I wasn't praying in tongues. I started praying in tongues. I get up in the morning, night, day, and night, just in the city until I got the Spirit. Got the Spirit and stay in the Spirit. Oh, yeah, you're going to lose that foot again. See, it like you said it one time, but now you're really going to use it. Because it's only on this bad foot, the one that was so what? I said, oh, yeah? Well, diabetes is not terminal either. Glory to God. So he gave me Hosea 13, 14. He says that I will ransom you from the power of the grave, and I'll redeem you from death. Hallelujah. I started praying to him. I told him that he ransomed me. And then he redeemed me from death. So that being your eternal, now God says that same scripture. He said, Death, I will plague you. Amen, praise the Lord. Get something that's terminal and get hold of 13, 14. God said, Instead of that being a plague plaguing you, God is going to be in a plague of death. And Joel was grave. I'm your destruction. And guess what? God said you can't even repent. Wow. God told death, you can't even repent of what you did to my child. Free Jose 13, 14. You got a terminal disease? And this morning, uh, 428, when I woke up, 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm still feeling the spirit of death on me. Because uh, diabetes is terminal. In the last stages, it's terminal. It's not true, No, no. Because when my eyes woke up, hallelujah, he said, the battle is over. Hey, praise the Lord. Lord, I gotta tell you this. We're not, we're not going to give her that mic. 
<laughs> We're not going to give her that microphone anymore. We're going to lose our job. <laughs> Let me have it. I'm going to say a prayer and we're going to go home. I'm going to go out and start me another church. I'm going to leave you all here. <laughs> oh, goodness. Awesome testimony I had this week. I gotta tell you one before I get started. The last night there was a young woman came up and she said, Do you remember me? I said, No me. I don't remember you. She said, Two years ago you were here in Baltimore. She said, I came up to you and asked you to pray for me. I said, My back is killing me. I said, anything else I can pray for you for? She said, well, I guess while I'm up here, you might pray for my marriage. I said, what's wrong with your marriage? She said, my husband left me three years ago. Said he won't talk to me or nothing. I said, just a demon. I said, I have all power over the devil. I said, the first thing I'm going to do is pray for your husband. So I went to the throne of grace, kicked the devil out of her husband, Ask the Father to send the Holy Ghost to convict him of sin and bring him back home to his wife. Then I reached up and laid my hand on her and I said, Now in the name of Jesus, I command your pain to leave. She said, I was instantly healed. She said, I've not had a pain in my back in two years. And then she said, The next afternoon, the next day, my husband, which I hadn't heard from in three years, called me. And so what do you think would be the chance of you and me being reconciled? And he came home, and that was two years ago, and they were both there Friday night, and he was telling me, I am working diligently on being the spiritual leader in my home. And their life was blessed. Don't we love serving Jesus? I mean, Jesus is so awesome. He is beyond our wildest dreams. He is so mighty. Today, after what all of y'all have been talking about, it's amazing how that how much Ty's talked about the Spirit and how y'all have talked about the Spirit and all the things you've said today. Although nobody but God knew what I was going to preach on today. <laughs> it's amazing how it all works. But God is God, and He's mighty awesome. And if He ain't awesome, I just open my Bible and open to the right page. It's amazing, 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 amazing. First Corinthians, chapter two. First Corinthians, chapter two. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this book. I thank you for the miracles that you do for us. Lord, I stand in awe when I have a little lady like Esther come up and to realize that Cheryl and I had the privilege to merely lay hands on a picture of a woman that was technically blind and you opened her eyes. 
Lord, I stand in awe of Your glory. You're a mighty God, a King of kings and a Lord of lords. And Lord, I am grateful to be Your Son. I'm grateful to have this wonderful wife that You've sent to me to stand by my side. That will walk in obedience to Your Word. That will submit herself to her husband and to You. And we walk together as one. And I thank You and praise You for all these wonderful things You are doing. But Lord, this is all about You. But Lord, we get to be a part of it because we're about You. We are Your body on this earth. And I thank You for that. Now bless the Word as we read it and study it today. Lord, thank You. Thank You, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. If there's anybody that does not have excellently of speech, it's me. You know, I was raised a country boy. I did terrible in English. You know, I don't know a noun from a pronoun. Never did, never have, and I never will, and I could care less. You know, when I was with Bill Gothard, you know, the, some of the words and maybe the, I don't even know what I call them, double, double negatives or whatever he talks about. I guess he's an English major, but I'm not. And he said, Thurman, if I could just sharpen you up on your English a little... I told him, Bill, obviously God don't care about my English. You know, I said, I don't have to come to you with enticing words because I talk to him with all these PhDs that I try to sit and talk about, and they use good English. But I said, how many of these guys, when they pray, do you see these kind of miracles? He said, none of them. I said, you know, I rest my case. I rest my case. I don't profess to be a super educated man in English. I'm not. I do try to use the best Texas English I can. <laughs> but God understands my heart, and that's all He cares about. I don't have to use these fancy words, and I don't come to you with these fancy words, but I do come to you with a wonderful demonstration of the Spirit and the power of the living God. We know only God opened that woman's eyes, don't we, Esther? You know, only God does all these wonderful things He does, and He does them when we pray for people, and we are so grateful. And then in verse 5, Paul is saying, since I do come with a demonstration of the Spirit and of His power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. 
but in the power of God. So when you see Thurman Scrivener or Cheryl, and we prayed a prayer for somebody, and a woman got her eyesight back that was technically blind, you know it ain't by no fancy words I'm using. Because you say, I come to church every Sunday, and if there's anybody don't speak good when it comes to English, it's Thurman. So it's not his fancy words. It's not his fancy speech. It's not his PhDs in English. But it's his PhD in the Holy Ghost that made these things come to pass. That's what makes it happen. The Holy Spirit. Howbeit we seek wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princesses of this world, that they come to naught. For we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. And that mystery is something that you all need to know. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world, before the world unto our glory. Which none, verse 8, which none of the princesses of this world knew. Who is he talking about there? The princesses of this world. He's talking about Satan and his host of demons. None of the princesses of this world, they knew these things. They didn't know this. This mystery had been hidden from them before the foundation of the world. It says, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They wouldn't have killed Jesus if they'd have known what He come to do. But this hidden mystery, the mystery about Christ, that He was going to die for the sin of the world to set you free. It was a mystery. If they had have known that, they would definitely not killed Him. But see, Jesus has taken care of the sin issue. Sin has been taken care of. You know, any human being, I don't care what you've done, you can be the worst man or woman on this earth. And you can come to Jesus, anybody. Makes no difference what nationality, color, creed, or anything you are. Male, female, big, little, make old, young, makes no difference. You can come to Jesus. You can ask Him to forgive you of all of your past sins, everything you've ever done. Just say, Lord, I accept You as my Lord and Savior. And the sin issue has been taken care of. It's forgiven. And He accepts you right into His kingdom. And you become a child of God. Isn't that awesome? Now then, if the princesses of this world had known what He was doing, that this was going to be a free gift that was available to the whole world, they would have never crucified him. They'd have made sure he didn't die. They'd have done everything to keep him alive. But this hidden mystery was hidden, so they could not know this. Because he came to pay that price. And he did it. And when he did it, he destroyed and disarmed Satan and his host of demons. Satan no longer has any power. None. But we don't know it. I can guarantee you there was a board meeting in hell after Jesus arose from the dead. 
I can guarantee you that the devil says, Okay, boys, I have just been defeated. The king of the universe, Jesus, he beat me at my own game. He's smarter than I thought he was. But we must go back to the land of breathing men and we must convince them that this is not true. Because if they ever get a hold of the fact that this is true, we have lost it. They won't never, ever yield to us again. They will kick us out. We won't be able to defeat them. We won't be able to kill them. They will live forever. And all people will come to Jesus and get saved. We've got to deceive them. Boy, have them devils done a good job, haven't they? They've done a great job. But look what verse 9 says. I even heard President Clinton, when he was president, quote this verse when he came to office. He didn't say, as it is written, but he said, I have not seen, nor ear heard, Neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them. Now, he didn't read all of that. He cut out a few pieces. But I want you to look at what that verse says. But as it is written, if it's written, it's forever settled in heaven. It cannot be changed. I have not seen. Ear has not heard. Neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. Wait a minute. Do you love Him? Is He your Lord and Master? Then you're looking out there. You're listening. You go to church. You hear a preacher preach. You read the Word. But I has not seen and ears have never heard the things that God has prepared for you and me. So how in the world are you going to learn it? I remember one of my pastors I used to have in the Baptist church, his wife's favorite scripture was 1 Corinthians 2.9. I heard her quote that verse, I'll bet you at least 50 to 100 times. One day I asked her, I said, ma'am, do you have any idea of what the next verse says, verse 10? She says, no. I said, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> but look what that next verse says. But God, not you, not the wisdom of the world, not your eyes, not your ears, but God has revealed these wonderful things that He's prepared for us by His Spirit. He has revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man. No man knows the things of God but the Spirit of God. He knows everything. If you don't get in this book, 
and you don't study this book, this book is spirit. This book being God, as you read and study this book prayerfully, as you read this, just like Kim said a while ago, she read something and it jumped off the page at her. And for the first time in her life, she knew these things belong to me. Now, who, how many times maybe she had read those before in her life? Nobody knows. How many of you have been just like me? You've read things over and over and over, dozens, hundreds of times. Got them underlined and highlighted, Tom. But it's never become a revelation to you. And one day, the Holy Ghost says, it's your time. And He reveals it to you. You get on drugs and alcohol. How many times have I had people come everywhere? Over my life, in the last 10 or 20 years of my life, I've been in elevators. I've been in rooms. I've been in Home Depot. I've been in businesses. I've been on airplanes. I've met people sick and afflicted and tormented on drugs and alcohol, and they hated what they'd done, but they couldn't change. I said, you want to change? Yes, I'd give anything to change. I've tried everything. Nothing works. I said, you tried everything but God. Well, I tried God too, and that didn't work either. I said, that's a problem. You tried Him. I said, you don't ever try. You do God. I said, when I pray for you, I'm going to guarantee you that devil's going to leave you and you're going to be set free. I don't try God. I do God. Is that right, Jesse? We don't try Jesus. Jesus is not a God you try. You do Him. You believe Him with no doubt in your heart. Too many of us are trying to do it our way by the ways of man. This young lady needs to be healed, so I know the Word says I can lay hands on her and heal her. Oh, Lord, if it be Your will, please, would You heal this girl? <laughs> Did you notice she took my hand off of her head? She's smarter than that, isn't she? She's read the book. She's heard me teach it too many times. She don't want no prayer of unbelief on her. She wants a prayer of faith on her, doesn't she, Esther? When we prayed for you when your tumor went away, we didn't say, if it's God's will, did we? No, when your granddaughter was here and had that breast tumor, we didn't pray, if it be your will. We rebuked that thing after she got her sins repented up. We drove it out and it was gone. God understands faith. He doesn't understand unbelief. That's sin. That's what's wrong with us in the church. We don't spend enough time with God for the Spirit to reveal these things to us. The Holy Ghost has to reveal these things to you. Just like Kim. He had a special appointment that day with her when she was in the Word, reading the spiritual food. And when the Spirit was there, she got set free. Just like whenever I tell people, I, don't have, I couldn't tell you how many people in the last 20 years I've seen that was on alcohol, drugs, nicotine, you name it. And they wanted to be free. I said, real simple. You just come to Jesus. Joel 2.32 makes you a guarantee. Joel 2.32. Anybody that comes to me for deliverance, I will in no wise turn you away. That's awesome, isn't it? I'd take that Joel 2.32... And it shall come to pass 
that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall, oh, may be delivered. Might be. I mean, what it said was it, Benjamin? And it shall. That's got to be a mystery. And it might come to pass. That must be the way we read the Bible. But the Bible says, the Word of God which is forever settled in heaven, and it shall come to pass. Not maybe. I didn't say maybe, did it, Ernest? It said shall. And if God said it shall be, come to That's just like a girl. There was a woman up there I met up there in Baltimore. She was had something, I forget what it was that was wrong with her. And she said, I was praying and asking God to deliver me. And she said, one day the Lord literally spoke to me. And he said, okay, it's free. It's gone. You're free. And she said, I had a load lifted off me. He said, I heard the king speak to me. And she said, I thought, wow, I feel great. This is awesome. And she said, but God, what if it comes back? He said, she said, the Lord spoke to me and said, it's not coming back. If I cast it out, it don't come back. And I thought, wow. Isn't that amazing? What, why is it the first thing we think of when God delivers us? Well, what if it comes back? Why can't we just believe what He said and go and take it and run with it and say, Lord, if you, it shall come to pass. That's like Ed Buchanan. I'll even use his name. This happened 20 years ago at least. He walked into my Sunday school class one morning. He smelled like a nicotine factory. He walked by me. I thought, whoa. I'd hate to have to sleep with that. If I was a woman. I'm sure he'd be able to reach over and kiss me if I was his wife. He smelled awful. I said, Ed, you're a son of God. I said, why don't you get rid of that smoking? He said, Thurman, I have smoked for 25 years. I've tried everything that's known to man, and I can't quit it. I said, well, let me tell you. Let's see, that's pretty common in a Baptist church. We don't know nothing in church today. I started to say Baptist, but it ain't Baptist. It's a church. I know. I mean, I've seen Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal. In fact, we got a little Pentecostal woman that used to come over here. a little bitty short thing about this tall, and they live off out about Farmerville somewhere. And she heard about this Baptist deacon that's casting out demons and healing the sick. And she come, gets somebody to drive her over here, and she comes to about three healing schools, and then she brings her pastor over here. She gets that pastor. She walks up to him and says, You need to be ashamed of yourself. This little 80-year-old woman. He said, what did I do wrong? She said, I've just been to three months worth of healing schools in Dallas and there's a Baptist deacon over casting out more demons and healing more sick than we are. We're paying costs on he's a Baptist. She said, you need to be ashamed of yourself. So he come over to see me. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I just believe God. That's all I do. I just read the Word and believe it. So see, God don't care. He, God's not prejudiced. He don't care if you're a Baptist. He don't care if you're Pentecostal. He don't show no favoritism, does he? You've got to please the king. And he don't look at denominational signs. And I'm so grateful. Because if he had, I would have never got what I got because I was one of them little old Baptists that didn't know nothing. You know? But I did start reading his book. And when I started reading, I started believing it. So I told Ed that day. I said, look at this, Ed. I turned out to the I said, it shall come to pass. That whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. I said, are you a whosoever? He said, well, of course. I said, let's put your name right there. And it shall come to pass that Ed shall be delivered in the name of the Lord. He shall be delivered. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I reached up and laid my hand on that boy. I said, you demon of hell, I command you to come out of him. 
Now, this is a normal, ever Sunday morning thing in a Baptist church. You know, you always see some Sunday school teacher kicking out demons in a Baptist church. You'll never see that, do you? Isn't that a shame? I reached up and laid my hand on him, commanded that demon of nicotine to come out of him. I said, you beast, you're gone. I said, thank the Lord that you're delivered. He said, Lord, it's written, I'm delivered. I said, guarantee you won't never smoke another cigarette. He had his package right there in his pocket, see? Well, Sunday school's over. Creatures of habit, aren't we? Walks right out that door, clears the church door, reaches over, gets one of them things, throws it in his mouth, lights it. <laughs> What's wrong with that cigarette? Throws that thing down, reaches and get another one. Put it in and lights it, and he likes to strangle to death. And he said, I don't know what these things taste awful. Who did that for him? The Lord did. The Lord did, of course. He said, you want to be delivered, son? I'm going to make that thing taste worse than anything you ever put in your mouth in your life. And let me tell you, that man never smoked another cigarette. He totally quit that day. But how many times have I seen that? How many times have I seen God do that? I don't even know. But what did the king say there? What did he say? Did he say, shall come to pass? That whosoever... You put your name in there. You want to be free of any kind of addiction. You put your name in and say, Lord, I'm calling upon the name of the Lord, and I will be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be delivered, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. They're delivered for you. You don't have to be addicted to nothing. There's only one thing you have to be addicted to. Him. Jesus. And I want to be addicted to Him, don't you? Because if you're addicted to Jesus, He'll set you free. Now then, let's go a little bit further down. As we're talking about these things are going to be revealed to us by the Spirit. I want you to, we're going to go to chapter 3, Jordan, verse 1. From chapter 2 to chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. And in chapter 3, He said, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual... Now, why can we not speak to people as spiritual? Because we don't spend enough time with God in the Word to let the Spirit become in us. The whole problem with the church is a lack of knowledge of the Word of God. We'd rather go home, kick our feet up, and eat popcorn, drink soda pop, and watch television. It's a whole lot more entertaining on Sunday afternoon to watch a basketball game, a hockey game, a football game, or whatever kind of game, or to watch a soap opera, or just a movie. You know, just go home and say, well, this is my day, I'm going to rest, I'm just going to watch the two. Well, if you want to die early, go ahead and do that. But if you want to walk in the anointing of God, you've got to turn that thing off. You've got to turn the television off. There ain't nothing on that television other maybe than a little bit of Christian once in a while. And even some of the Christian stations you've got to watch. You've got to be careful. There's some real good ones on there, but there's some of them that you've got to really know the Word. So, but at least it's better to be watching those than it is the world, because the world ain't going to do nothing good for you. They ain't going to do nothing good for you but take you down. We went to Baltimore, and on the way up and back, they said, if you want to spare, buy a headset and listen to the movies, $2. I ain't buying that headset. I ain't no way. So, but the screens are right down in front of me on that 757, all over the place, hanging down. The second one, I didn't need a headset. I could tell exactly what was going on. 
The whole movie is about strife between a man and his wife. The whole thing. I thought, what? What? Something to feed. You want to know why the church is carnal? I'm fixing to show you. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. What a shame. I was one of those babies for a long time. Both, me and you both was, wasn't we, Wally? For a long time, we babes in Christ. But praise God, we're beginning to grow up a little bit. We're beginning to get a little bit of a spiritual understanding. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for here, hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able to bear the meat of the Word of God. How does He know that? How does He know you're not able to bear the meat of the Word? Well, He's going to tell you. Verse 3, For you are yet carnal. What does He mean by that? You're yet carnal. For there is among you envies and strife and divisions. In other words, you're grumbling and complaining and fussing about things. And you tell me you're a son of God? You tell me somebody done something to you five years ago and you say you forgive them? And every time somebody says you rise up inside and get mad, you liar, you didn't forgive them? You're still carnal. You ain't even close to being spiritual. The thing is, get rid of the stupid carnal strife and division. You're a daughter or son of the king of the universe. We had a young man just recently. We've had just several of them, though. His wife, he did something she didn't like. He committed adultery on me. You know, you have to forgive him. I'm going to forgive him, but I ain't never going to forget it. You want to know why that woman ain't never going to walk in the power of God? Never. You want to know why she's going to be sick and afflicted and tormented? She's going to die early? Because she did not truly forgive her husband. Yeah. You know why he did what he did? Because he's carny. If he was a man of God, he wouldn't even have thought about another woman. He wouldn't even have thought about it. But are people carnal in the church? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Every one of us been there. I mean, I've been as carnal as you can get. You know, everybody has been. But the beautiful part about God, we don't have to stay there. We can change. And when we get rid of our divisions among us, I'm going to tell you, if a man gets in the book and he loves his wife unconditionally, and a woman gets in the book and she loves her husband unconditionally, there will never, ever, ever be any division between that couple. Never. They'll walk in love when one of them does something. Maybe once in a while. Are you... I mean, let's say that uh, you've got a wife and one day she's had a bad day. Or a husband. It could be either one of you. But I'll just say a wife. Say one day you've got a wife and the wife has a bad day. She's tired. She's wore out. She's worked hard. She's been up long. 
and three or four, five or six other things has already gone wrong today, and you walk in the house and you say, Hi, honey, how are you doing today? Let me give you a big kiss. She said, Don't touch me. Ooh. You know what you do? You back off and you go into another room. You say, Father, I'm coming to the throne of grace for my wife. Lord, I'm asking you to soften that girl's heart. She's my sweetheart. She's my wife. Soften her heart, Lord. Now, Lord, I take authority over them demons of hell that are messing her up. I'm commanding them demons to leave. You guys got to go. Now then, if you're walking in obedience to God's Word and you're walking in love, I guarantee God will hear your prayer and He'll move just exactly like that young lady up there that I told you about a while ago. It came to me two years ago and her marriage had been separated from her husband three years. And I prayed a prayer of faith and within 20 hours, 15 to 20 hours, maybe 12 hours after I prayed that prayer, a husband that had been gone three years came back. But you know, I had one even better than that. Years ago, I was just barely learning these things, but I knew the importance of walking in the Spirit, walking in love, being obedient to the Word. And a young man called me one night when I was on Daystar, just on the prayer lines. I wasn't on the set that night. I was on the prayer lines. He called and he said, I want you to pray for my wife. He said, my wife left me. And she went to work in a strip club as a strip dancer. And I want you to pray for her. I want my wife to come home. She's left me and the children. I said, sure. I said, it's just the devil blinded her mind. I said, is she a Christian? He said, no, not a Christian. I said, okay. I didn't figure she was for the devil to take her captive like that at his will. But he could have taken her captive and her been a Christian if she had been a carnal Christian. If there had been strife and division and all this stuff in the whole, the devil could have taken her captive and pulled her right out. He could have done anything he wanted to do to her because of the strife and the division in the home. I didn't know all those things about that family at the time. I just said, well, it's just the devil. And if she's not saved, I'll just go to the throne of grace. I'll worship the king for a few minutes. I'll kick the devil out of her. And then I'll ask the Lord to convict her of sin and open her eyes and see what she's doing wrong and bring her home. And then I'm going to ask him to let you get her saved. You be the spiritual authority that can get her saved. And then you two will come back together and you'll be happily married the rest of your life. I said, it's done. Praise God. Call me with your praise report. That's the kind of faith you've got to have. Don't say, if she comes home. Don't put them stupid words in there. Don't say, if. That's doubt, isn't it, Sharon? You don't ever use the word if when you get into the kingdom of God. You always use positive words. Well, it was going to be a week before we was going to be on television again. And the next Friday night, I'm on the prayer lines again. Well, as soon as our show went on air and our number come up on the screen, the phone rang. We had about six or eight lines and I was sitting there and I was the first one in line. So my phone rang. I said, this is a Thurman Sheriff here. I said, how can I help you? And he says, uh, uh, Thurman, this is so-and-so. And I said, okay, how can I pray for you? He said, no, I want to you give, my, give me his name. And I said, well, sir, okay. So that's your name. So how can I pray for you? He said, you don't remember me. I said, sir, I pray for a lot of people. And no, I don't remember you. He said, I'm the guy that had the wife that left me that went to dancing in the strip club. I said, oh, okay, I remember that. I remember that. Okay. He said, you prayed that prayer 
for me and said, in one hour, my wife called me and said, I'm down here in this club, and it's like scales fell off my eyes, and I can see where I'm at, and said, I turned in my uniforms, come get me, I want to come home. He said, I went down and got her, led her to Jesus that night, we got remarried this week, and he said, this week has been wonderful in our home. And I said, well, praise God, son, how long had she been gone? Fourteen years. And one prayer of faith, of authority, of a man that walked in the Spirit of the living God, kicked that devil out of that woman, and she came home within an hour. Now, what can, when God says, if you believe me and walk where I tell you and walk in the Spirit, when He said, nothing's impossible with you, He meant that. But Paul said, I can't tell you people about this. You won't even understand this. Because if you're carnal, there's divisions among you. There's fussing. There's quarreling. For you're yet carnal. There's among you envy. You're envying one or the other. Oh, you know, uh, so-and-so's got a better car than me. Or so-and-so's got a bigger house than me. Oh, look, that woman wears a better dress than me. Oh, I wish I had that. Envying. Forget it. Get over it. If all you got the waggity t-shirt to wear to church, praise God, come on, we ain't going to care. If you got a $5,000 mink coat to wear to coat, praise God, come to church in it. Maybe you got a $10,000 mink coat like my wife, but she got it for $17. Isn't that awesome? In fact, we were up in Baltimore this week, and since Cheryl's a little tiny thing like she is, there is a woman there who had one of the most beautiful mink coats. It was lined. I guess that was mink, wasn't it, Cheryl? Yeah, all lined in mink on the end. A beautiful thing. And she just walked up and said, this ought to fit you, and handed it to her and gave it to her as a gift. She didn't have to buy it. Is God awesome? Is He awesome? Hey, He said, if you'll serve me, I'll bless... I'm going to put my Texas English on this. He'll bless your socks off. (laughs) I may not be an English major, but I can use some words that you Texas people understand. Just like I said up there, some of them, some of them like to really jumped off the deal when I said, you know, I said, I was talking about Ty casting out a demon out of somebody, and I said, he was just like a duck on a June bug. I said, he was running around. I mean, and they just died in laughing. They just laughter just broke out. I don't know whether any of them knew what I was talking about or not, but us old farm boys knew what I was talking about. If you've been out there in June bug season, when them June bugs hit the ground, them ducks are after them, ain't they, Ernie? Them June bugs don't have a chance. They eat them things up and they gobble them up like they was honey. You know, they love it. Man, they're just out there waiting for, waiting for one to let, and they're over there, man, they got him just like that. So that's the way we're after the devil. We're after these demons. But the Lord says here, since I can't talk to you as spiritual, for you are yet carnal. And how does Paul know that we're carnal? Because there's among you envyings and strife and divisions. Now, if you're spiritual, if you're spiritual, and your mate messes up, like that example I gave a while ago. Your wife comes in and you just want to put your arms around her and tell her how much you love her. You've been in the Word all day, but she hadn't been in the Word all day. She's been out working and she's been under all kinds of pressure. Of course, that's only if she lets it, but most people don't know how to cast their cares on the king. They don't know. So whenever they go off on you, you realize right quick, 
they're still carnal Christians. I don't care if you're working in a church. I've seen just as many carnal Christians working on staff in a church as I have anybody else. They're carnal. Somebody walks up and makes fun of you and slaps you in the face. You find out whether you're carnal or you find out whether you're spiritual. Right, Keith? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I mean, one of them old contractor boys run up to you and say, I hate your guts. I don't like what you've done on this job. Now, if you're still carnal, you and him going to Fifth City right there, right? Yeah. You and him down on the You may have been there with a couple of it in your life. Close. Close. <laughs> but no more, right? No more. No more. Keith ain't going to do this. He's going to say, brother, come over here. Let me love on you a little bit. Come over here. Let's, let's see what the problem is. Because he ain't carnal no more. He's spiritual. Amen. He knows the Word. He ain't going to open that door to that devil, are you? No. But see, how do you get to be spiritual? You get in the Word. And it don't make no what anybody says or does to you. You don't go there with them. And somebody does something wrong? Somebody abuses you, mistreats you, does something wrong? Are you supposed to forgive them? Oh, but if they do it twice in the same day. I've got to forgive them twice? Okay, well, what if they do it seven times in one day? What if they do it 490 times in one day? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, we're fixing to find out who's carnal and who's spiritual. <laughs> Is that right? If you're spiritual... Now 491. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're just waiting for him to do it to 491st time so you reach up and get him, right? <laughs> I think what God's trying to tell you, walk in obedience to my Word. It don't make any difference how many times your brother sins against you. Forgive them. Love them. And if you can do that, Guess what you are? You're spiritual. You're spiritual. And if you're spiritual, then God will begin to reveal these great and awesome truths to you. Now, let me show you. As we see what happens down through here, let's go to the very last few verses in that chapter 3. Let's go to verse 21. Let's go to 3.21. When we get to 3.21... Look at what the King... The, yes, the King James. Therefore, let no man glory in men. In other words, I don't care how good or bad a preacher me or Ty is supposed to be, if we get to where we can cast out demons, heal the sick and everything, you ain't never supposed to give us no glory. Ain't never supposed to glory in men. Never. Because if you start giving us glory, guess what's going to happen to me and Ty? The King going to take us out. We ain't going to receive it if you give it to us. We ain't going to receive it. That's for sure. Because we ain't ready to go home yet. Now, we don't want that glory. He said, no man glory in men. Not at all. For all things are yours. What belongs to you? Now, wait a minute. See, you've got to be spiritual to even get a hold of this. All things are yours. Well, now, you know, if he stopped right there, you'd think, well, what in the world is he talking about? But he didn't stop there, did he, Ernest? Now, you notice this is the end of the chapter after you get to be spiritual. This is after you're listening to the Holy Ghost. 
This is not walking in the carnality of your carnal flesh. Because as long as you walk in the carnality of your carnal flesh, you will never be able to go here. Never. You know, if you're still walking carnal, you say, well, if all things mine, then God, I want a new car. And Lord, I just want, I don't want just a cheap one. I want a good one. You know, I want one of them really expensive ones. What's a real, a BMW is a pretty expensive car? What's a real expensive car? Somebody, a Rolls Royce. Okay, I want a Rolls Royce, God. I don't want all them old cheap ones. I want everybody to think I'm somebody when I drive down the street. I want them to say, whoa, look at that guy. He's rich. No, 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 no. That would be glory in men. That's not what you want at all. You know, some people can drive a Rolls Royce. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, if I had a Rolls Royce, and I'd probably throw some of my stuff over in the back to go out and work on the airplane, and somebody goes, <laughs> you might scratch that thing. I said, well, it's just paint. I've had guys say, don't you dare touch, don't you touch my car, don't you scratch, I'll kill you. This gun, this car's protected by Smith and Wesson, don't you touch it. <laughs> you ever seen that sign on the back of people's car? Those people are very, very carnal. They walking in the spirit. That's like one day I pulled up to a red light in Dallas, right down 35E, and I forget Mockingbird, I think it was. And I pulled up and this guy had a sign on the back of his door, If you love Jesus, honk. I saw that sign. I said, honk, honk, honk. About three times. The guy turned around and he looked at me. When he looked, I said, honk, honk, honk. I said, honk, honk, honk. He got out of the car and walked back and said, Is there something wrong with you? I said, sir, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you were a Christian. You must be driving the wrong car. He said, well, I am a Christian. What do you mean? I said, did you put that sign on the back of your car? Oh, my gosh. He said, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I found out right quick he wasn't very spiritual. He was carnal. He thought like a carnal. If he'd have really been spiritual, when I started honking, he'd have raised his hands and said, Praise God! Or opened the door and said, Praise the King! But see, he was carnal. But boy, did the Holy Ghost get to him that day. Oh, he walked off like a dog with his tail between his legs. Oh, my land. He was so ashamed of himself. I said, you know, I said, sir, either take the sign off or praise God. <laughs> so, you know, well, what Long says, all things are yours. Whether you're Paul or Paulus or Peter or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All belongs to us as Christians. When you can walk in the Spirit, what belongs to you? All things. Now then, if somebody offends you, somebody does something. Maybe they've done it last year. And you just found out about it today. It lit your fire. If it lit your fire, that proves you're carnal. You know that? If it even lit your fire. If you even got angry about it, you're carnal. And you need to get over it. This Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's hard to walk in, isn't it, Ernest? I mean, but God said this. I, I'm, I'm just reading this out of the book. So don't y'all be mad at me. God's the one who put these standards in here for His church. Guess who else has to meet those standards? Me and you. That's right. 
you and me have to meet these same standards. Walk in love. Obey the King. And it will bring health to all your flesh and long life to you. But if you walk in this flesh, it'll bring a shorter life. It'll bring much sickness and disease, much devastation, and much hell on earth. But if you walk in the Spirit, nothing will bother you. Nothing. So, you find out something happened five years ago? Big deal. I had a man one time that I've had so many of these, so nobody knows who you're talking about. But many years ago, I had a man that found out his wife committed adultery on him ten years before. She'd been a good wife for the last ten years. But he hadn't been loving her like he was supposed to. I know none of you guys ever got too busy to love your wife, besides me. Yeah. We all have done it, haven't we? Yeah, sure we have. So the wife met up with some guy somewhere, and he was a sweet talker, and he wooed her off of her feet. And first of all, he, he was in bed with your own wife. And she knew she shouldn't have done that. She was so sorry she did that. And she never going to do this again. And she never going to tell nobody. One day, this guy told somebody else. And it got back to you. And you went and confronted your wife. Did you sleep with John ten years ago? I'm sorry, honey, I did. But I, I repented. I asked God to forgive me. I mean, I don't, I don't know why I did that. Why well, I tell you why she did it. She did it because you wasn't loving her. That's why she did it. You wasn't loving her. You wasn't being the mate you should have been. If you're the mate that they should be, the other spouse will never go somewhere else. But you've got to be that loving, kind sweetheart. You're going to walk in the Spirit, walk in God's love. But how many people in the church do that? Nearly none. You know, none. I mean, we're, we, we're carnal. I'm telling you, the church today is just like I was most of my life. I was so carnal most of my life. I mean, even though I was in church every time the door was open, I didn't know these principles that God laid out in this book because I hadn't read this book. Well, when I began to raise, read this book, all of a sudden, this bar that I didn't have any problem. Man, I'm jumping over this bar every day. I'm a great Christian. That bar ain't but just high. Whoa, man, that's easy to jump over. It's easy to walk in obedience to the Word. Wow, that's easy. I, I mean, I'm a great Christian. But one day I read something else in the Bible, and all of a sudden the bar is this high now. That's a little higher to get up on there. And then the more I read the book, all of a sudden the bar came way up here. Now then it takes the pole, the pole vault over that thing. The standards got high. But if you stay in the Spirit and you walk with God, then it makes no difference what happens. I mean, whenever you walk into a church, somebody says, I don't like what's going on here today. I'm going to praise God. There's a few things I don't like either, but sit down let's talk about it. I ain't going to go there with strife and division. I'm going to, we may disagree on what we're talking about, but I'm going to love you. You know, I ain't getting out of love with you. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to, we're going to do the best we can to make you happy. Just like the other day, I was out there at the airport and a man come running out of a hangar. He said, 
you run through my yard and put this big rut in my yard. I said, well, sir, I didn't pull through your yard. I never, it's a pavement, I, I can't make that circle, but I backed up. So, no, you didn't. I checked your tire tracks and it's exactly the same as in that mud, and I know you did it. I said, okay. Okay, so what did it take to make you happy? He said, what? I said, you want me to haul your load of dirt in here? I'll, I'll fill it up. I'll level it. I'll go get you. I said, would you like me to go get some beans and build you a fence? I said, I'll do anything to make you happy. He said, I ain't never seen nobody like you. See, she ain't fucked with a man like me. He was expecting me to say, I didn't do it. You dummy, who do you accuse him? And then he could have really got mad with me. We could have really lost it. We could have went to Strive City, and I could have cut off all my power with God. And next time when somebody comes in and needs me to lay hands on a picture of a woman that's blind, Jesus says, oh, I don't know who you are. But see, I didn't go there with him. I didn't go there with him at all. I mean, I told him I didn't do it. But when he said, I know you did, I said, okay, no problem. I did it. So what's it going to take to make you happy? Can I haul you a load of dirt? Somebody says, that's going to cost you money. Hey, I don't care, just money. That man's soul worth a whole lot more to me than a little money. I'll haul you a load of dirt. I'll build you a fence. You just tell me how you want it made. You want a couple of concrete blocks up there? I'll go get it in the mortar. I'll do it myself or I'll get a contractor to do it. Whatever it takes to make you happy, I'll pay for it. No questions asked. When he looked at me and said, I ain't never seen nobody like you. Now see, that shows something, doesn't it? I'm walking in the Spirit and not in the carnal world. See? Why do you think God answers our prayers? Because we try our best, Esther, to walk there. We don't want to go to that carnality, that strife. I want to get over that. Don't you? Don't you want to become a man or a woman of God that when these great and awesome blessed things that put up there that we had up there a while ago in Second Corinthians or Third Corinthians or First Corinthians three, wouldn't you like to be able to receive all things belong to you? There's no limitation to what I've given to you. But you can't receive them unless you walk in my spirit. You won't even know what they are unless you walk in my spirit because I'm not going to reveal them to you. But if you walk in the Spirit, when you walk in love, no divisions. What does divisions mean? Divorce. Never be a divorce in the church. After all, the king said, I hate divorce. You think he missed that? Well, then why disobey him? That's like that Lawyer, when me and Cheryl was up in New York here a while back, we were preaching up there. The guy comes to us and he said, you know, I used to be a divorce attorney. Had a couple of Christians, man and woman, that couldn't get along. They couldn't decide how they want to split everything up. So they got in such disarray in the office. I told them, hold it. Wait a minute, y'all. Settle down. I'm going to go in my office in here and I'm going to pray and ask God what we should do. He said, I went in there and sat down. My friend said, Lord... I don't know how to deal with this couple. How do I do it? He said, the Lord said, I hate divorce. Woo. He said, I got back up and walked in there. And he said, I'm sorry. I can't do a divorce. God just spoke to me when I said, how do I deal with your situation? He said, God said, I hate divorce. And he said, he told Cheryl now that day. He said, no divorce. No divorce. No divorce. No divorce. 
He said, I can't never do it again. I can never divorce a couple. Never again. And so he totally changed his profession. Because he heard God tell him audibly. But is it already written in the Word? Over and over. What is it we don't believe about this wonderful book? Now then, God tells you how it works and how it doesn't work. If you walk in the God kind of love, then there will never be a divorce among you. If you'll stay in the Word, you won't ever become addicted to nothing. I mean, nothing. Drugs, alcohol, violence, sex, nothing. You will never break God's rules. But what if before you become spiritual, you break His law? Will He forgive you? Well, if God will forgive you, why can't somebody else forgive you? Isn't that amazing? Be spiritual. Walk in the God kind of life. Obey the King. If you want to be blessed, obey Him. Forgive. Walk in love. And then when you forgive, forget. He tell, Paul told us, forget the things that are behind. Press forward to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be about today. We're not supposed to be remembering the things that happened yesterday or last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago when we were all stupid, carnal Christians. I did some things. Keith, you and me probably did some stupid things when we were young, stupid, carnal Christians, didn't we? I know I did. <laughs> but we don't want to go back and drag that junk back up, do we? No, that happened 20 years ago. Forget that. Let's press forward toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Malachi, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. It is as cruel as putting on a victim's blood-stained coat, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourselves. Always remain loyal to your wife. Isn't that something? For I hate divorce, says the Lord. The God of, it is as cruel as putting on a victim's blood-stained coat. That's what he thinks about it. Think about what the Word says. I command you to love one another. I command you to get in the Word. I command you to walk holy before me. I command you, in the name of Jesus, to get rid of all strife, all unforgiveness, all bitterness. Because he said, if there's strife in your home, just like we taught last Sunday, if there's strife in your home, any kind of bitterness or quarreling or anything else. In fact, the king said in last Sunday's message, my children never quarrel. Never. It's obvious. The church don't read that. I know lots of people that quarrel when they leave here. They may not quarrel here, but they will on the way home and once they get home. But God says, my children do not quarrel. Now, see, he said... And if you're quarreling and doing all those things, then he says, you have opened yourself to the devil and he'll come take you captive at his will. You remember that, Ernest? So, we ain't going to quarrel tomorrow, are we? We don't care. We don't care what anybody, our neighbor, you know, I, I can think of another, another time. A neighbor of mine, I was mowing the yard and I was living in a mobile home park and I picked up a rock and it threw it right through that chain link fence and kabam, hit the side of that guy's house. Man, he come running out that door. What are you doing, you idiot? I said, sir, I'm mowing my grass. I didn't mean to pick up that rock and throw it against your mobile home. 
And I'm extremely sorry. He said, well, don't you ever do that again. If you do, I'm going to come get you. I said, come on. Come right up here and let me talk to you. Come on. I said, I just want to love on you a minute. He starts backing up. I jumped up on the fence and crawled over the fence and started over there. I thought about what that Muslim did yesterday when, when Ty, he said, are you a, do you know Jesus? Stand up in me, Paul. You know Jesus? He, he said, yeah, 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 yeah. Ty said, I want to pray for you. Started to put his hand up. Boy, I, if I ever seen a guy trying to get away from a rattlesnake, he was backing up. I mean, he, 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 went, he got out of the, he went from in the circle, from out of the way. Ty tried to follow along play order. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he kept. I mean, he was as he when he finally got away. I said to myself, if I ever seen a man trying to get away from a, a den of snakes, that's what it looked like. That guy was afraid as tight as he had been a rattlesnake. But all he was was the Holy Ghost. But I also saw a great demonstration of the Spirit when we sat down in the Baltimore airport yesterday. We were just all sitting there quiet. We weren't talking to all four. We were sitting right there together. People everywhere, behind us, in front of us, everywhere. There's two empty seats right in front of us. And the young man that had flew from here up there to take his mother to the healing school in Baltimore where we were, he saw us. And he came running over and said, praise God. He said, I've got to call my brother. And he ain't going to believe that I'm sitting here talking with y'all right here in the airport. And he's sitting right across from us. He started talking about Jesus. We started talking about Jesus. How great Jesus is. And how many people he healed. And we're talking across. And one by one, they moved, got up, and left. And I just started paying attention. I'm just looking. I'm looking behind us. Ty's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. And all the wonderful things. And in just within three or four minutes, the whole area had been full of people. But right now, there's only one little group in a cluster right here. Five of us. The four of us and Him. And we're all praising and worshiping God. And everybody cleaned out. That tells you where the... Where they're all at, doesn't it? They're carnal. They don't know Jesus. But see, we didn't know also that the little lady sitting in front of us when we got to Dallas, she was sitting there with his ear against the seat listening to what we were saying. The one sitting right in front of you. After... Oh, on her? Yeah. <laughs> So when we got to Dallas, this little girl came to us and told us, she said, I listened to what y'all were saying, and I have an incurable liver disease, and I want y'all to pray for me so I can be healed. And I'm telling you, by divine appointment, God put that little girl in that seat, and we prayed for that woman, and I'm going to guarantee you, just like I told her, I said, I guarantee the king that I serve will and has heals you, and you won't never be the same after this day. You know, when you walk in the Spirit, God says you're a... Second Timothy 2, He said you're a vessel unto honor, fit for the Master's use. And when He needs somebody to pray for somebody or to change or touch somebody's life, He brings them to you. Now, if you're living in unforgiveness, you're grumbling and complaining about different things that happen. Don't worry, He ain't going to send you nobody. You're not going to get any rewards. How would you like to go to heaven and be in the outer court all of your life? Never get to come to the inner holy of holies. Never get to see Jesus. 
How would you like to get to heaven and have not a single reward? How would you like to show up at heaven one day and you went to church all your life and the king says, oh, Keith, oh, you're that guy that wouldn't forgive that contractor down there that done you wrong. You didn't forgive him. He said, I'm sorry. Since you didn't forgive him, I can't forgive you. And to outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and you spend forever in a godless hell just because you didn't forgive that guy. I don't think it'd be worth it. Do you, Keith? Ain't no way. No. That's why he told us, walk in love. Walk in the Spirit. Do what I say. And then you'll be a servant. Fit for the Master's use. And He will, if you just obey Him, you know, here's the good part about obeying. He said, I will open the treasuries of heaven and pour out blessings upon you. You will not be able to contain. That's what I love. That's what I love. When I need something for the ministry, I don't even have to ask. God sends it. He just blesses us. We need an airplane. He buys one. Whatever we want. He provides it for us in the ministry. We, in fact, John McCall said, you know, Thurman's ministry is now giving away 10,000 CDs and DVDs a week. He said, you know, there's six billion people in the world. He said, you know, he needs to be able to send a CD to everybody in the world. And I thought, okay, let's see. If I could send a million a day, one million a day, in one year I could send 365 million. It would only take two and a half years at one million a day to send one CD or DVD to one-sixth of the world. So if I took that, round that off to three years, and then multiply that by six, at a million CDs and DVDs a day, it would take us 18 years to send one to the world. Oh, I know, yeah. I mean, that's why I rounded it off a little bit extra. But that just goes to show you the magnitude of what we're all trying to do as sons and daughters of God. I mean, I can't even go there, folks. I can't even think about... I couldn't have thought a few years ago a, a 10,000 a week. I couldn't even think that. Somebody said, you know you're going to be sending 10,000 CDs and DVDs a week? I said, you mean a year? A year? No, a week. I just said, give me a break. Ain't nobody can do that. But God can. And He's doing it right now. Now then, I'm going to be grateful when we say, wow, look at this building. Look at the employees we got that love God. Look at the miracles He's done. And you know, we just sent our one millionth CD today. We're going to work on starting again and say another million. You know? We're going to be We're going to do that someday. If we could send, go from one to ten thousand a week, hey Keith, we can go to a million, can't we? You bet we can. And there ain't no limitations with our King. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I worship You and praise You and thank You for Your Word. Father, convict us by the Holy Spirit to walk in the Spirit and walk in love. That there be no divisions, no carnality, you know, no strife, no envyings, no unforgiveness. And Lord, cancel all of our past and let us start new and let us walk in love with each other. Lord, it's a choice. It's a choice. You give us a choice. Help us to make the right choice this week to forgive the people that offend us, the, our mates, 
or whatever they are, cousins, aunts, uncles, mothers, fathers, or business associates, or anybody else, just help us to forgive them and see them just like you see them. Just like Sandra said about the little people across the street. You know, I mean, that's a drug addict. Well, hey, he's a human being, and he needs to be saved, and now she knows that. And so, Lord, bring them all to Jesus. Let us be an example to these kind of people. Let us bring these people into the kingdom. So, and let us do it with a demonstration of your Spirit's power so they're, they're, they'll lean on your power and not ours. And that's what we've been depending on too long. We try to build churches what we can do. And Lord, forget us. We just want people to see Jesus and Him. So Lord, this week as we go, help us to step over into the world of the Spirit. Help us to step into a walk of love. Let us love You. Let us love God. Let us love our husbands, our wives, our children. Our, our associates, uh, our neighbors, everything. But Lord, you commanded us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So Lord, help us to do this this week so we can get past the carnal Christian, so we can walk in the spiritual realm, so that we can start seeing you do the great and mighty things you do when we walk in your love and in your spirit. Thank you, Father. Get us in the Word this week and forgive us all of our shortcomings. In Jesus' name, amen.